in service for God. They have developed this habit. You look at all the people in the Bible. You look at David, Abraham, Moses, great men and women of God. Each of them spent time alone with the Lord and were effective in service for that very reason. And we can't be healthy and growing as a Christian unless we're spending time with God. We know that Matthew 4, 4 says, man cannot live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Physical food's not enough for us to be healthy. We've got to have the spiritual intake of the word of God in order to remain strong and healthy. Psalmist asks again, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By keeping your word. Our time with God is like a spiritual bath. It's a time where we get cleansed from all our sin that's accumulated and built up. And when we don't have that quiet time, we're actually missing out on the privilege that we were created for. Rejecting the thing that Jesus died for. We will never be like Jesus and have that same power and authority. We'll never be used greatly by God. We can remain weak and sickly if we're not spending time having fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Getting his orders for the day. Lord, what do you want from me for today? So what is the purpose of spending time with God? To give devotion to him. I'll start my quiet times by saying, Lord Jesus, I love you. I just want to give you my entire life. I belong to you and I just want to thank you for all that you've done for me. Lord, I just want to worship you. In Chronicles, we hear about Hezekiah and how he was successful at everything he did because of his complete devotion to God. There is no one else worthy. No one else worthy of praise and adoration. And in fact, God seeks us to worship him. The Father is searching for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's, it's funny, I mean, a husband or a wife, they, they know that their partner loves them. But every so often, it's actually nice to hear it being said. And it's the same with the Lord. He knows, he knows that we love him, but he likes to hear it from us. In the same way, we have relationship with our, with our spouses. Okay, another reason would be to get direction from God, to get our orders from the day. Show me your path, O oh Lord. Point out the right road for me. Let's reflect on our lives and commit our schedules to him. We gain delight in the Lord. Psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Our source of joy is found in his presence. If we're not experiencing much joy in our life, then maybe we need to ask the question, how much time am I actually spending in his presence if he is the source of my joy? Also to grow daily like God. We become like those that we spend time with. So if we spend time in the presence of God, we are going to become more and more like him. So how do we actually conduct a quiet time. We need to select a specific time. And I always think mornings are a great time. Jesus, it says, he rose early in the morning, even before the sun came up. He was there spending time with his heavenly father. 
And it does seem logical to do that. Remember, Hudson Taylor said, the best time to tune up your instrument is before you play the concert, not afterwards. And also, if you think about spending time in the presence of God, is a time when we can put on the full armor. So I get myself armed up for the day, prepared for battle. So it does seem strange for me to kind of put on my armor and then go to bed. Um, it's good to make him our first priority of the morning. Say, so, Lord, you are first in the morning. You're first in my life. We need to, whatever time we decide, whatever works for us, it's a case of making a date with Christ and then keeping that appointment. So maybe it's just spending, say, 15 minutes to start with. Spending time just in that special place, that quiet place, a place of solitude, away from, from others. Jesus had a special place on the Mount of Olives. He used to go and just spend time with his heavenly Father. We need to make sure we've gathered the resources that we need. So in, in today's, uh, well, people have all got their phones. And just give me a show of hands. How many of you actually do your quiet times using technology? Yeah, so there's quite, quite a few. But there's quite a few of you, like me, that actually like to have paper copy and just dig in and I can underline. And I just love just kind of getting to grips with the, the, the word of God in my hand. Other things that I'll have is... Uh, Make sure I've got a notebook with me. A, to write down the revelation that God's given me that day. Words that he wants to speak into my life. Promises that he wants to give me. Maybe people that he wants me to, to pray for. Make a note of those things. And you can note down when you actually receive the answers to those prayers. Another thing that's useful, I'll put it in the back of my notebook or have a second notebook, is, I don't know about you, but... When I am trying to spend time in the presence of God, listening to him, suddenly it's like, oh my goodness, I've forgotten I need to do this. And so it's just great to be able to just note that down and go, okay, sorted. I can put that on the side now and focus back on what God wants me to be focusing on at that moment. Because distractions just so easily come in. Another thing I like is, to, I like to have communion. I mean, Jesus said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And I just think if I'm spending this time just communing with the Lord, it helps to just really center me, start out my day in a good place. Oh Lord, I just want to thank you again for your blood that was shed for me on the cross, for the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you for your body that was broken for me so that I can be healed, that I can be whole. I just want to lay a hold of the fullness of all that was purchased on Calvary's cross for me right at the outset of the day. We don't want to be rushing into his presence. The Lord says, be still and know that I am God. Lord, I, I just expect the Lord to want to talk to me. He's the one that he created me. He des designed me to have fellowship with him. I'm expectant as I'm reading his word, he's going to speak to me. So it's important to just have a time, just to relax, just be quiet, still yourself in the presence of God. Maybe read a selection of scripture. 
and read until revelation starts to flow. And then reflect, meditate on the scripture that he's been speaking to you. How do we meditate? Space pets is a really good place to start. So you, you read for about four or five minutes, have a good think about it, apply it, write it down and see how you can apply it to your life. And then make your requests. This is your prayer time. Make your requests. Well, as I've already mentioned, there are problems with our quiet time. The problem of discipline. Now, I don't know, again, some of you have to get up really early for work. And so getting up an extra hour, half an hour, whatever, before work can be quite challenging. And it's called the battle of the blankets. Um, there's a young man who once start, tried to offer excuses to God for not having his quiet time. He was like, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry. Uh, I wanted to meet with you this morning, but something came up. And the Lord says, yes, it's called the blankets. Um, your first problem is establishing a quiet time. It's going to happen first thing in the morning. Am I going to get out of bed? Am I just going to get 15 minutes more sleep? You've got to have a desire. You need to decide the night before you're actually going to get up. I want to meet with God. And then secondly, I'm going to meet with God. You've got to have the determination and the discipline to just go and do it. So a few suggestions. You need to go, go to bed on time. Um, again, I heard somebody once say to me, if what I'm doing at 10 o'clock at night is more important than my quiet time in the morning, then I'll stay up. If not, I'm going to go to bed. And I think that's a really good philosophy to have, is prioritizing God in our lives. And then get up immediately. When that alarm goes off, bing, jump out of bed before your body realizes what it's done. You're out of bed. I also find it really helpful um, to fall asleep thinking spiritual thoughts. So if I, whatever I last go to bed thinking, I tend to wake up in the morning. If it's a song I was singing the night before, I can guarantee that'll be the song that I'm singing when I wake up. There's the, uh, the problem of, uh, of distractions. So yeah, getting out of bed. Uh, don't try and have a quiet time in bed. It really, really doesn't work. You, you wake up with your Bible on your chest and actually, it doesn't enter you through osmosis. You do actually need to read it. I tried. It just did not work. Um, you need to get thoroughly awake. So shower, hot drink, whatever it takes to shake off the, the weariness. Uh, then read and pray aloud. Um, I can be quite noisy when I pray. Everybody knows when I'm praying. Um, but it helps keep your concentration. Uh, another thing to do is to go out walking. So walk Walking and praying, it's very difficult to fall asleep when you are walking as well as praying. So I think Jesus spent a lot of time praying and talking as he was walking. You actually get double benefit from this because you're getting the physical exercise. So your physical health and your spiritual health are improving at the same time. So... Um, yeah, keeping, in, keeping your notepad nearby, make sure that you uh, offload any thoughts that are uh, sort of interrupting the things that you are trying to focus on. Uh, some people can feel quite dry. And there are times I've gone through real dryness in my quiet times. So maybe it's your physical condition, you're just not getting enough rest. 
Shakespeare, he said, it's hard to be a philosopher and have toothache at the same time. And how true is that? It's really, really hard to have spiritual goosebumps when you are physically exhausted. Secondly, disobedience to God. If there is sin in your life, you are going to find it very difficult for God to reveal anything new to you. Because he's going to be saying, you haven't dealt with what I spoke to you about last time. So if we, we need to, we need to um, practice the things that God is speaking to us. If you've got a conviction of sin in your life, deal with it. And then you can move on. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can move on just like that. It's only a prayer away. Um, one of the big killers of prayer time is hurry. And so rushing our quiet time, you are not going to get much out of it. We can easily also get into a rut. You're doing the same thing every day and you can get into a rut. And I sometimes hear, even my children sometimes, say, well, you know, let's pray. And so Daniel just wants to get it over with. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Blah, 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 blah. And you just think there was, there was nothing that was benefited through that. He's just gone through the ritual. And yet the Lord's prayer is just so powerful when we do actually really focus on the words. And, and we will look at that in just a few minutes. So it's really important that we approach prayer with the right attitude. And we're going to just take some time to have a look at prayer. I just want one final, one final thought on dryness is that if we, we're not sharing our insights with other people, that can also cause us to feel quite dry because it's like we've got an inlet. So we, we, we're receiving, but we're not actually giving out so it's a bit like we become like the dead sea you know we are we are, we are receiving the water of life and yet if, we, if we've not got an outflow it just kind of stagnates on the inside so again it's a little bit about applying the word not just receiving the word but actually applying the word in our lives so we're told we're going to be looking at, at prayer now um so we've been thinking about quiet time, we've been thinking about Bible study. We're just going to spend a moment thinking about the habit of prayer. We're told to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Our happiness is to be based on our hope in Christ. And when trials come, we're to endure them patiently, steadfastly maintaining the habit of prayer. So, as we've already discussed, Jesus died to make us have a, an unhindered relationship with our Heavenly Father. And prayer is an integral part of that relationship. And yet, for so many people, their prayer life can be dull, it can be boring, there's something to avoid. So, we want to try and revitalize that. So, we want to make sure we approach prayer with the right attitude. Just looking at Matthew 6. 5 to 8, it says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. 
that we need to be real, not trying to impress other people as the Pharisees were trying to do, not trying to impress God with the eloquence of our words. We know that God already sees our hearts. We're not fooling him by the things that we say. We just need to speak those things that are on our heart. And I know there are people who said, oh, you know, when Sarah prays, she's always got her hands in the air. But I would say that is a reflection of me in my room behind closed doors. And I think it's really key that we're just being real about who we are and expressing that as God desires. So it's not about the eloquence of our words, but it's got to come from the very depths of our souls, our hearts crying out to God. And what's happening in private will be seen in the public sphere. The criticism that was against the Pharisees was they were standing just to be seen by men. Their hearts were empty. Some of the most passionate people that are just so passionate about the things of God, they will stand there, eyes closed. It doesn't seem like anything's going on, but there's something happening, the real depths. We, we look at the outward appearance, but God judges our hearts. And who are we to judge anybody by the outward appearance? It's our Father who judges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And it's he who is the rewarder. We're not to recite the same prayer over and over as the heathen do, who think prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. So remember your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. When you talk to the Lord, just talk. It's a conversation with two people that love each other. I think, you know, if I, if I went to Ian and I needed money for groceries, if it was like, oh, thou most honoured of men, I need some money for groceries if thou wilt bless me. I mean, Ian would probably actually quite like it if I spoke like that to him, but I, I don't. I just say, hey, Ian, can I have some money for groceries? I just talk to him because we've got a relationship with each other. And when we come to God, just reveal what it is that you want, what's on your heart. Talk to him like you would a dear friend. You know, it's very easy to, to try and and be something that we're not. We come into the presence of God and suddenly our language just changes. It's like, no, just talk to your heavenly father. He knows what's on your heart. We need to go to a place where we can be alone, where we can be quiet, take those deep breaths, remove all the distractions and just concentrate. And some of the main reasons that people give excuses for why they don't pray is, well, I don't have time or I don't have a place to go. I think about Susanna Wesley, who was actually the mother of John and Charles Wesley. She had 19 children, and many of you will have heard the, the story. But she would actually spend an hour every day in prayer, and she would just simply put her apron over her head, and she would spend that time praying to her Heavenly Father. Her children knew that she was talking to God at that time, and she was not to be disturbed. 
It's a, oh, that's a real challenge. It's a huge challenge to me. If Susanna Wesley, with 19 children, can spend an hour a day right in the middle of all that, spend an hour a day just praying and focusing on her Heavenly Father, then none of us have got an excuse. So I think we can all be encouraged that it is possible, even in the busiest of times, to actually find that place every day to pray. So we need to approach prayer with the right attitude. And there are two models of prayer that very, very quickly I'm going to mention. And so there's the acts. acts and so you've got adoration, you've got confession, you've got thanksgiving, and you've got supplications. So supplication is praying for other people. Or if you, if you are more of a teaspoon person, you just, I always think a, a mustard seed of faith and a teaspoon of prayer kind of sets the day off. And so teaspoon of prayer, so you've got thanksgiving, sorry, and please. So you say, thank you, Lord, for, for who you are and all that you've done. I'm really sorry I've messed up today. And please, can you do this, this, and this? Two very simple ways of just structuring prayer, no matter how, uh, how short a time you may have. You might be in the staff room, you just pop out for a break, and you think, right, just going to have a teaspoon of prayer um, before my next class. But we've also got the model, of course, that Jesus gave us. Out of Matthew 6, 9, commonly called the Lord's Prayer, we're all familiar with this. This is how you should pray, not what you should pray. So he gives us an illustration of the things we should use in prayer, not this specific prayer to pray, but there's nothing wrong with praying it verbatim. So praise is the beginning, isn't it? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So it's focused on expressing a love for God, saying, Lord, I just want to focus my heart and my mind on you. It's about adoration. It's praising God for who he is, his character. And thanksgiving, praising God for what he has done or the deeds that he has done. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. As we read our Bibles, we, we often come across qualities that God has got. And so I'll sometimes make a note of those. For example, in Numbers 14, it says that God is patient, God is merciful, God is forgiving. And so the key to prayer is God's character. His character is the basis for answered prayer. And so God will answer those prayers that acknowledge who he is. So I, I will pray thinking, Lord, I just want to thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy, for your forgiveness. We know that these are the attributes of our Heavenly Father and we can pray, thanking him for those and then applying those things to our lives. We remind ourselves and we can affirm the promises God has made through the names that he is known by. For example, Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider, Jehovah Shalom, God who is our peace. All these different names of God tell us something about him. And when we focus on his names, when we're upset or worried, we can 
we can find that place of, of refuge, we can find that place of peace. I'll often, you'll often hear me praying, Lord, you know, you are my rock, you're my fortress, you're the God in whom I place my trust, you're my victory, you are my peace. These are all focusing on the different attributes, all the different names of God. If we just take those names of God, we claim it for ourselves, it gets the focus off us and it places it back on him. And we're able to think about what it is I want to pray about. How can I apply those things to the lives of those around me and those that I'm praying for? Another thing is to be thinking about those things that you're thankful for and review them when you pray, the goodness of God towards you. So many times I, I just love praying the Psalms, the goodness of God towards me. Sometimes when you just reflect on what he's done, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it's so good just to, to look back, look what the Lord has done in my life. We need to commit ourselves to God's purpose and will for our lives. And so the next part of the Lord's prayer says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who here would not want to see the kingdom of God manifest in the midst of us? I remember how uh, John, um, John the Baptist, he went out, you know, is this who I, I think he is? And it was very clear, the kingdom of God is among is among us. People are being healed. People are being set free. The blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. The kingdom of God had come. And when we declare your kingdom come, you will be done. It's an acknowledgement that he is God and we are not. We desire to see his purposes fulfilled in our family, in our community, in our city. So what needs do we need to pray about? Give us today our daily bread. What needs do we need to pray about? Everything. There's nothing too great or nothing too insignificant for God to deal with. There was a prayer that somebody gave me just before I became a Christian, actually. I said, there's no problem too big, no question too small. Just ask God in faith and he'll answer them all. Not always at once, so be patient and wait for God never comes too soon or too late. So trust in his wisdom. Believe in his word. No prayers unanswered. And no prayer is unheard. And I make that a very strong foundation. The basis for which I pray. Philippians 4 says, God will supply all my needs from his riches in glory. Because what Christ Jesus has done for us. In Romans, since God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all, won't he surely give us everything else? Saving you was the hardest thing that God ever did. There's nothing harder that he could do than to save our souls. So when we come and we make a request of him for our personal daily lives, it's a bit of cake in comparison. We're told not to be worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition to present our requests to God. Why? Doesn't God know what we need? Of course he does. But prayer is our personal declaration of our dependence upon him. We're dependent on him for our needs. We, we don't receive, 
often because we just don't ask. We need to be specific. Write down what the requests are and expect God to answer. And you will see the amazing results. I remember being down in Cornwall and there was a man that had come to the door and he was really... um, I really felt the Spirit of God say to me to to share the gospel with him. And I started talking, but then we got sidetracked and he went away. And I just felt really sad. It's like, Lord, I really feel I messed up. I just, I didn't break through there. And I I was outside picking blackberries the next morning, just lamenting, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please send somebody along that will be obedient to you and will just share your words of life with him. And 20 minutes later, that same man came back and he knocked on the door. And I went, okay, Lord, I am the answer to my own prayer. And fantastically, I spent time outside talking to him. He's like, I'm not quite sure why I've come back. And I actually led him to Christ at that time. I was like, Lord, thank you so much for that opportunity. What a privilege to be a part of God's purposes for his life at that moment. So the next part of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts. There's four steps of forgiveness. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal every sin. Examine me, Lord. Search my, search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. We ask the Holy Spirit to reveal our sin. And we confess each sin specifically, not trying to gloss over it. I think about how Abigail and Daniel, I'll sort of say, apologize to your brother. Apologize to your sister. It was like, sorry. Make them say, for what? Why are you apologizing? We need to be specific about what the sin is. So we'll never succeed in life if we try and cover over or gloss over our sins. We need to confess them and then we will receive the mercy of God uh, will be applied to us. The third thing that's necessary is to make restitution with those who we have sinned against. Well, when you remember your brother has something against you, go at once to make peace with him, then come back and offer your gift to God. When God reveals something you've done to someone else, it's really important to just get that off your conscience. Find that place of forgiveness and reconciliation wherever possible. And then by faith, accept God's forgiveness. As I've already said, when we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just to forgive us. He can forgive that guilt, that shame. It can be wiped out so we don't have to live with it anymore. The next part of the Lord's Prayer talks about um, as we have forgiven our debtors. So we are to pray much for others, plead for God's mercy upon them, give thanks for all he's going to do in them. We need to recognize that God is working in people's lives even when we can't see it. We're called to bless those that curse us. And we are to keep praying until that transformation takes place. We need to pray until God's either changed me, he's changed the situation, or changed the person. Final thing is protection. We need to ask for spiritual protection from God. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We as believers, we all face a spiritual battle every day. 
Satan, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And he wants to defeat us through temptation. He wants to defeat us through fear. But we need to be alert. We need to be aware of the evil that surrounds us. Put on our spiritual armor and remember that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. God has got many different ways of communicating to us through his word, through creation, through other people, through thoughts that come into our mind. But the only way that you and I have to communicate to God is through prayer. So I want to encourage each one of us to take these steps to revitalize our prayer lives. So maybe on different days of the week, we select different people we're going to pray for. So one day it could be our family, another day it could be the church, those that are leadership, those in authority. We just want to commit ourselves afresh to him. So we've looked at Bible study, we've looked at quiet times. We've covered a huge amount of ground today. We don't want to just be hearers of the word we want to be doers of the word so will you just stand with me we kind of have the band back please um, and let's just commit ourselves now I'm going to pray a prayer that's personal to me on this subject now feel free to pray your own prayers or you can add your amen to mine but this is your time so just focus in and what it is that the Spirit of God wants to do in you. What has he spoken to you through this message? What are you going to commit to in these areas of Bible study, prayer, and quiet times? Father, I realize I was created to have fellowship with you. Lord, I want to thank you for making this privilege possible through Jesus' death. I know that daily fellowship with you is the most important thing in my life. Lord, I just want to commit myself to spending at least some time every day with you in a quiet time of Bible reading and prayer. Lord, I'm trusting in your strength to help me be consistent for your glory, Father. Lord, I just so desire to have a deeper relationship with you, to grow in intimacy in our relationship, to hear your voice with increasing clarity. Lord, would you just come and have your way in us and through us. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.